ask not what your association can do for you. <laughs> ask what you can do for your association. And you got to do that in a Boston accent, though, man. <laughs> no, well, you, you know, I don't do accents because it would end up sounding like a leprechaun. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Brews News. And this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining me from the Brisbane studios, where I'm guessing, because it's, it's, it's cold and wet and nasty down here in Melbourne, but in Brisbane, I'm guessing it's lovely and sunny, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. No, it's a little bit overcast. Yes, of uh, you oh, know, what it, by Brisbane standards. By Brisbane standards, and cold <laughs> by Brisbane standards, it's probably twenty-two degrees. But yes, oh, right. well, it's that's double about uh, more than double what we've got down here at the moment as we speak. Early, early this Thursday morning in uh, week <laughs> six of lockdown. Week six of lockdown, and it's been a week since we've had a chat, Pete. Because uh, not doing the antidote, we, we just haven't... we just don't talk anymore. <laughs> we, we, we don't, so don't take it personally. Anyway. <laughs> I haven't heard haven't heard listeners complaining though. I haven't heard. Oh, we need more antidote. Bring us back. Oh, we need more Matt and Pete. Oh, mate, there is so much so much great content out there, but there is so much content at the moment um, with people uh, jumping online. But we might talk about that when we get to the news. We shall, uh, which we'll do fairly um, fairly shortly. We might just start by saying, look, we're both recording in our home studios, and normally we. Um, fit these around our family household movements but with homeschooling uh, listeners may hear a little bit of the uh, the Pilsner family uh, movements um, in the yeah, background. You might, you might hear this, the, uh, the school bell go for roll call on my, <laughs> on my iPhone. Um, I do have one my youngest it, it's fair to say is a little bit more difficult to get the motor running of a morning so uh, yes it, we'll see how we go. <laughs> So bear, bear with us, but that's oh look, I've I've been watching a little bit of you know like some some of the late night show or the you know the Graham Norton style you know uh, where they're interviewing people from home and that sort of thing. Um, it actually works. Like it's not the, it's not the same. It, it, it does show how the um, the physical dynamic does add a lot to uh, to a conversation, but uh, it, it does also show we're pretty ingenious and we can get around most things. There are going to be a lot of changes that I, I don't think we even predict um, after all of this. You know, the things that, you know, video conferencing that, um, you know, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that in the news as well. Little Creatures goes big with home brewers. Uh, little Creatures is launching Little Home Brewers and giving home brewers Australia-wide the chance to be involved in a series of masterclasses hosted by its team of brewing experts. The May 2nd launch coincides with the American Homebrewers Association's National Homebrew Day, when the association is hoping to run the world's largest virtual brew day. Uh, in addition to virtual masterclasses, the initiative will culminate in an opportunity for one homebrewer to take the recipe to Little Creatures Fremantle and get the full brew experience. Mate, absolutely. Look, a really interesting story. And, it, you know... A nice pivot, dare we say. Well, I, I don't think it's a pivot. I think it's something that they've been planning for a while. Um, but, you know, you and I have talked in, in the past that there, there wouldn't be too many, um, you know, Little Creatures is almost the Kevin Bacon of the brewing industry. You know, there's, there's no more than, you know, maybe two degrees of separation between any craft brewer and uh, Little Creatures. And it's, yeah, it does feature in a lot of people's um, backstory. And, and certainly a lot of, you know, I, I remember Soren Erickson was one of the first of the new wave, you know, from um, Eight Wide in uh, New Zealand, uh, was one of the first brewers that I remember saying that he was inspired to get into home brewing by trying Little Creatures and then, you know, uh, became yeah, a professional his, brewer. His wife actually bought him a Cooper's home brewing kit 
and he was a marine. He was studying marine biology, or actually doing marine biology. And I, I have a feeling that Little Creatures Pale Ale may be his epiphany beer. I think that because he, he, he was studying or working over here uh, and in Western Australia. Mm. And I think I'm pretty sure from uh, chats that I've had with him in the past that Little Creatures was the the beer that started it all for him. That's certainly my uh, recollection of, of the conversations I've had with him. And but he, he was the first that I really distinctly remember. And that would have been, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, so 2004, 2005, so only four or five years after Little Creatures first started. Um, and since then, I've just heard there's been a procession of brewers who have said Little Creatures was, was their epiphany beer and, you know, really inspired them to create the breweries that have then gone on to be, um, you know, epiphany beers for a whole lot of um, other brewers. So, you know, it, it's quite apt that they are working with home brewers and hoping to create, um, you know, a competition, and I, I, I can just tell from the traffic and the and the, 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 the chatter that home brewers, the, the thought of having your beer on um, at Little Creatures, is even a, a bigger attraction than having it at the um, beer fest that's in in Fremantle. The, the thought of having your own tap at Little Creatures Tap House um, is is a huge attraction to them. Yeah. yeah, and it's fair to say too. Look, I think it's not unkind to suggest that yes, there was a, a dent to I guess their prestige once they were bought by Lion, but I think the their legacy still has a lot of credibility. The fact that you and I will often you know date people's beer experiences by using the term BC, you know, before creatures, mm. because we were, I guess, at one of our most influential drinking times was going from it's all mainstream, all mainstream, you know, one brand in Brisbane, a couple of brands in Melbourne to, wow, hang on, something's going on here. Um, and I was lucky enough to be in hospitality and saw, you know, you'd, you'd give people this beer and, and the head snap, as I used to refer to it, where people would go, whoa, what's that? Mm. Yeah, well, that, that's hops. Oh, what's hops? And all of a sudden, you know that that story started. Um, so it's it's. I think their their legacy uh, has probably stood them in better stead overall than perhaps some of the other um, brands that have been bought have or will into the future. A lot of what you and I do, like we have lots of conversations, and a lot of it is, you know, don't quote me on this, or you know, people are very guarded, um, knowing that we're, we're journalists. But at the same time, you know, we speak to a lot of people that you know over more than a decade have been through little creatures and even people that don't have a you know an association with them now and no reason to defend them now say that there has always been that tension within little creatures not to change the recipe the the, the predictable flog factor um comes in when you post a story about little creatures you know the people on the Facebook page, you know, talking about, oh, home, this won't work. Homebrewers use hops. Um, and <laughs> We should point out that's not the uh, Australian Brews News or Radio Brews News Facebook page. No, it was, it was a commenter. Um, <laughs> and, you know, God, God love them. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, people love to toss off at Little Creatures. It's now owned by Lion um, and it's now even more easily available. Yeah, it's a faceless, tasteless corporation, hmm. mega beer swill, yeah. And it was good to see a lot of people spring to their defence, but the question that we ask ad nauseum is, has the beer changed or has your palate changed? And, you know, when these people uh, who want to toss off at Little Creatures come out and defend their opinion that Little Creatures isn't what it once was, um, well, it doesn't taste the same to me. Well, you know... Almost by definition, then, that means that your palate has changed because you know, Little Creatures is still a beer that I 
if, if I'm looking for a good, honest American pale ale, it's one of the few um, you know, non-indie beers that I'll actually um, constantly come back to because, A, I cut my teeth on it. It was you know, one of the first easily available, high-quality uh, American pale ales that I could get there. And so it sort of calibrated my palate to, to some extent. But also, to me, it is as good as it ever was. Yep, yep. In fact, um, there, there are a couple around. We, a lot of indie brewers seem to have moved to the tropical pale ale or the Australian-style pale ale, a la, you know, the charge ably led by um, beers like Stone and Wood, the original Pacific Ale. Um, but I think now there's, there's, there are still plenty of really good American-style pales, but we just seem to call them either pale ale or a tropical pale ale now. We seem to have dropped that, that US moniker. Stomping Grounds Gip Street Pale Ale is probably one that, for me, is as close as giving me that sensation that I used to get when I first discovered Little Creatures Pale Ale. Green Beacon is uh, up my way. Is oh, the three example. The three bolt. The three bolt. It started early on, pale I reckon. Ale but I reckon it, has that got a little bit more. It, it's now English? tropical pale ale. Yeah, so so it's much yeah. more that tropical pale ale, and and that's where brewers are chasing the market. Um, but you know, and they just happen to be owned by Asahi these days. But if you look at a lot of craft breweries that maybe started with little creature style American pale ale, they have gone because they're they're looking for volume. You know, you need beers that sell. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of how many breweries actually do that US-style pale ale. And as you said, people don't even really call them an American pale ale anymore. No, no, exactly. Anyway, interesting chat. And uh, I'm sure more comments to come. Matt, we talk about pivoting. We talk about uh, in these this fluid situation, these unprecedented times that everyone's looking for something different to do. Is it possible that we've all done the same different thing? <laughs> Don't jump on the virtual events bandwagon, says expert. Brewers across the country are having to adapt fast to the changes forced by COVID-19, but as package sales fail to offset the losses from venues, they are looking at better ways to adapt, including launching virtual events. Uh, online events can give people a reason to connect, join in for a beer, keeping in contact with your customers and hopefully helping your beer sales. But... Mariella Major said that with social distancing in place and the ongoing mandatory closure of venues, online events can be a way to a great way to connect and keep connecting with customers. But brewers should be aware that it is a crowded market. And Mariella, of course, um, from uh, Made with Moxie and is the now I'm going to say marketing, social media, perhaps is involved with Good Beer Week. I believe, yeah, certainly, certainly deeply uh, embedded in the Melbourne craft beer scene. Yep. People are saying you're, uh, we're going to do it online and we're going to do it uh, every day. The difficulty is cut through, said Mariella. Um, I guess, look, we're, are we this writ large? Are we, <laughs> um, in terms of the antidote, which we, which we did for, for four weeks, four and a half weeks? Yeah, four and a um, half, and, then decided, yeah, yeah. and look, part of the reason that we put it into hibernation during hibernation uh, <laughs> was that so many, yeah, there are so many people doing it. My question is, what's the alternative? One of the reasons I like this story is, you know, Mariella was willing to put a contrary viewpoint because everyone, you know, everyone is jumping to it. And on one hand, you can go, isn't this awesome? Every brewer's doing these amazing things. But when you look at some of the traffic that some of these things are getting, you know, the, the number of active views, the number of, um, you know, views post, for the amount of work that goes into doing it, it's not a huge return. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's almost active. And, and that was what, what we saw. Um, you know, 
we, we can see what our regular traffic is and at the moment it's down and I think you know because I think there is so much content um, Jeff Allworth uh, the US beer writer um, from um, yeah, Bivana um, he, he posted Brute, yeah, Bivana. <laughs> Brute, uh, Bivana. He, he posted a rather sad um, post he'd been you know, quite prolific uh, during lockdown. And uh, about a week ago, he posted an interesting post of saying, you know, I used to think people came to my site for incisive um, beer writing. But now that everyone's in lockdown, I am, and I can see that my num- my traffic has fallen. I think it's just because people were bored at work and they would go there and read it as a distraction <laughs> from work. So his volume's down. That's probably putting a really negative um, spin on it. I think there's just so much content out there. Um, I noticed too that, and we deliberately, and not because we've got good heads for radio, um, and, and you know, we are a couple of good looking roosters, although, you know. Well, there, are, there are those who think that, those in our lives <laughs> who, who are willing to tell us that. That's it, others think, yeah, a couple <laughs> of rough heads. Um, but the the video I'm, I'm wondering, it, there, there's interest in the video because I think it gives us that, that human connection that, we, that, that a phone call or, a, you know, just an audio call doesn't translate. But... I think there's an underlying thing with people wanting to see how rough people are looking in isolation <laughs> without access to hairdressers and uh, coiffure. And, well, um, well, look, you if, know. if you and I were going to have a have a, have a beer, sort of have, have a substitute for that social beer, then I would absolutely jump on a like a, a, a Facebook or like a video chat with you, just so you can sort of see, you can sort of talk, you've got that uh, connection. But if I'm you know, the antidote. I just didn't see any see any point in us broadcasting because it's a it's it's a audio medium. It, it it's not a visual thing. So it, it it's very much about looking what to to me what video adds to something, but then also you know what going online in the first place during this thing adds uh, to to what you're doing. And that was where I saw Mariella was coming out. Everyone's jumping online to do it because everyone's jumping online they're not asking what is this adding to my business or you know is this worth our, our old producer Lockie McIntosh had a great um, saying is, is the juice worth the squeeze basically and I, you know I, I just I, I thought it was an interesting article because you know Pete one of the things that I'd look at with what we do with Bruce News we get a million um, media releases um, not, not a metric million, obviously, but we, we get a lot of media releases um, where people are saying, sending us our small local regional brewery that doesn't distribute. You know, we, we've got a tap room. We get a mobile canner in just so we've got stuff that people can take home. But we're pretty much, you know, you cast a 10-kilometre net around our brewery and that is our market. That's where our beer goes. That, yep. That's where our beer goes. They're sending us media releases. Um, you know, going, oh, guys, could you put this out? And... You know, it might be a little bit harsh, but I'm sort of thinking, why? Um, why? Because, you know, maybe looking at our traffic, you know, um, we do pretty well um, traffic-wise uh, in a year. But when you break it down, the, the number of people state by state is smaller. The number of people city by city, a lot of it is capital cities. Um, you know, there is some uh, in the regions, but it's on a, you know, basically the same percentage as you would see the population profile so you know even if we run your story it might get one person um, who is um, a potential 
And it, it, it just doesn't seem worth your while to have a public relations agency or even spending your time to send us a media release to do it. I'm really interested in what your brewery's doing. It, we do cover it from a national trends point of view to look at what regions are doing and the importance of regions. And so we'll look at it from what it brings to our audience nationally. But I, I think there are a lot of small breweries that are looking for other people to do their marketing for them when their market is in their backyard and... You know, having a really active, regular Facebook profile 365 days of the year is going to be much better for for their business communication. Having an email database that you put meaningful information into, having really active engagement in your venue is going to be a really valuable thing for your business if you are that highly localised. And to to me, this um, social media thing, if you're looking at having a national presence with it, you're probably destined to fail. If you're looking at engaging the community that you engage with 365 days a year at a time when they can't come into your venue and so they still feel engaged, then absolutely that's a fantastic strategy. And that way, if you're only getting 50 or 60 people on each of your streams, there is a a very real benefit to you and you know, it's good for your business and it's also good for your customers. Yeah, we spoke to Jane Lewis from Two Birds out at Spotswood in the western suburbs of Melbourne um, on the last episode of The Antidote. And she confirmed that yeah, it, this situation has made her more cognizant, realising the value of her and, and just how important they are to, the, to their local community. Mm. Um, and so I wonder whether, yeah, that, and, and I'm sure that's echoed by many other brewers who who have experienced the same thing that you know they're seeing familiar faces coming in and doing the click and collect or the drive through or or coming in for a takeaway meal and, and and a six pack and whatever it might be um and then i guess making them realize yeah those faces that we recognize are probably as important if not more important going forward than the whoever buys you know the the warm six pack off the the shelf at the at the local Mm, absolutely, yeah. It's the same reason that the big brewers are creating, you know, like you can go visit a, a, one of the big breweries. You can do a 4X brewery tour. It's most of their volume comes from, you know, not from their tap room, but it's a way to engage in the brand. Um, and so for someone like yeah. Two Birds that has a national distribution or a largely national distribution, their backyard is still a very big part of their story. Speaking of the story, I did hear a story on my news this morning on uh, the hourly news, 3RW, and then it was also picked up by the Herald Sun, although it did originally come from the local leader newspaper, but they picked up the survey that the IBA has done. They spoke with two brothers specifically and and uh, Derek Hales from um, from Bad Shepherd about you know the, the the numbers that they had to lay off, and uh, it led into the story of the IBA sort of asking for some assistance through all this because uh, the independent brewers were doing it pretty tough. Yeah, look, and I think now we haven't actually seen the survey as Brews News. We knew they were doing it because they talked about it on the board survey, but Brews News hasn't seen any media release about it, and there's nothing on the um, IBA's website. But I, I get the sense that it's gone out to members in their regions because this has been a story that has been picked up by all of the regional newspapers, um, you know, the, the local provincial newspapers. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's a letter writing campaign that has originated with the IBA, but then been sent to local brewers to send to their local media, judging by the way that the, the, the story is spread. But yes, so showing that I think 69% of breweries are, you know, struggling 
and the, the impact it, it could be. So I, I guess on one hand you would expect breweries to say that they're, they're one of a large number of businesses that are suffering at the moment and hospitality businesses and they need to add their voice to the considerations for what the government does to, to me this is a big thing that the IBA has it's situations like this that people might ask well what what has the IBA ever done for me but it's one of those things that when you have situations like this the IBA really comes to its fore it is a major lobbying group and will extend the reach of an individual's individual breweries, um, you know, activism well beyond that brewery's backyard. So it, it, it is an example of where a small little uh, brewery, by being part of something bigger, um, and you know, they, they really do seem to have come out and and done a lot, and and that's where your money goes. I don't know, Pete. Did you see? It's not in the show notes, but yesterday a story came out of the US that the um, US Brewers Association had. Um, laid off 27% of its workforce. Yeah, the, the head office t- type staff. Mm, yeah, and, uh, and and also taking pay cuts and, and, and all of that sort of thing because whilst they're lobbying bodies for craft breweries, they fund themselves a little bit from membership. You know, they're, they're, the membership is, is part of their um, income, but a big part of, you know, they're actually, you know, events bodies. Um, and with the cancellation of the Craft Brewers Conference that I was meant to be at last week, um, Saver, which is their beer and food event, um, I, I guess I would be looking very hard at whether GABF will be going ahead this year. Um, that That's a big part of their income. And for, for our Independent Brewers Association, um, you know, Good Beer Week's been cancelled. This is the first year that they had uh, run with the, the, the year of preparation and Good Beer Week uh, won't be happening and you, you'd imagine that they would have been factoring in some of that. So, you know, for, for brewers, ask not what your association can do for you. <laughs> ask what you can do for your association. And You've got to do and, that in a Boston accent though, Matt. <laughs> no, well, you, you know, I don't do accents because it would end up sounding like a leprechaun. But yeah, so um, it, now is a time that, you know, you can really see the benefits in terms of lobbying and putting the independent brewer's story out to government. Um, you know, it, it's been a really important thing. Yeah. And Matt, there's something that occurred to me, and it's often the case with articles like this, particularly, you know, where it's a specialised um, subject matter, I guess. The comments often, uh, particularly when it's in a mainstream publication, tend to be reasonably telling. There's a, there's another story, <laughs> I guess, in the in the comments. And, and with this particular one, it, it did seem, well, there was a lot of support for, yeah, I love my local brewery and I've, I've been supporting local during this time. But then the others who have no interest in um, craft beer itself, why are you guys any different? And there's quite a bit of backlash of, you know, well, why should you guys get any special treatment? Everyone's, everyone's doing it tough. Everyone's uh, business is at risk. Well, yeah, there's some truth in that, that everyone's business is in is at risk and everyone's asking for help. Um, but I guess that's the importance of what the IBA is doing is making sure that their voice is heard. And I should point out too, for those who haven't read the article yet and are listening to this, that they did point out, well, you know, um, the, the, the special thing about uh, independent brewers is that, you know, we, we employ 15 times the, I think was the number quoted, um, the number of employees than the the big mega brewers do, and there's the risk then, I guess, also when you when you're not singing to the choir, that people go, well, that's just very inefficient. No wonder your beer is so expensive. 
Um, and, and it also leads back, I guess, to, you know, when this is over, do people, uh, will, and we often talk about this, you know, independent, how much does independence matter? How much does the word craft, and as Pete Brown says, you know, craft, the big word craft with the thin line through it that it exists, but it, it, it doesn't. Um, just how important is that in terms of how much money do I have in my discretionary spending and how much do I want to spend it on beer and how much of, uh, do I want to spend it on that particular beer? If I can get more beer for less, do I? is that my new normal? That's one of the recurring themes on, on our podcast. And I remember talking about it in the context of, you know, remember when golden ales were a thing, Pete? Oh, yeah. I remember golden ales, man. <laughs> you know, look, if, if you look at the the, the, the trace, um, you know, we, we were talking about American pale ales before, you know, craft beer really kicked off um, with that style of, you know, hop forward hop beer. Hop driven, um, yeah. IPAs, um, back when IPAs were clear, um, were, were the next step up and there was such an excitement around hops and, and that was what marked craft beer out. And, you know, 10... 15 years ago, you know, I remember guys like uh, Jamie Cook talking about balance. At the end of the day, people want a beer they can enjoy and they want those sorts of things. And that was what Pacific Ale, um, you know, offered. It was a beer that was distinctive compared to anything else that was in the market. But then again, it was also very drinkable. And it's something that um, Chuck Hahn has always talked about. You know, you want people to want to have a second one, not something that they, they get halfway through the first and then have to start chewing. But as soon as you do that, as soon as your product isn't distinctive, as soon as it's not exciting and all of those things, then... It becomes a price point on the shelf. Are people willing to pay the, the, the price for it? And, mm. you know, it, it, look, if one of the things about a craft brewery hospitality venue where you walk in, you've got the stainless steel, you've got, you know, the, the experience, you see the brewer working, you can talk to the brewer, that does command a premium. That is something that is absolutely... For, for a lot of people um, who are talking about an experience as much about a beer, you get a premium and you're willing to pay more for that. Once you remove all of that and you're just standing in the shelves of your Uncle Dan's um, looking at a whole range of beers that are very, very similar, um, you know, like a golden ale, like a lager, where is your willingness to pay a $20, $25 a carton premium? You know, if you can get a Little Creature's pale ale for eighteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if I feel I'm getting the same beer but at a reduced price, that means I can buy more, so I can support more breweries. Well, or I can just support, you know, my family. I, I, I can have the beer that I want and also, you know, have a couple of extra dollars in, 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 in my yeah. pocket. Yeah, and we should point out, look, you, you, you name-checked Uncle Dan's and we should probably Endeavour Drinks and good friend of the program, Dermot Amorta, um, who announced, and I don't think we... Did we pick up on it last week in Bruce News Week? I don't think so. But they've added, I think, something like two hundred, two hundred new, um, you know, small breweries to their uh, to their supply list, mm. which is which is terrific. Oh, absolutely. So, so the the beers are getting out there, um, and and that's so there is a, a route to market for packaged product. But I think one of the 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 things that you know, just I'm picking up in 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 the general ether um, of this COVID-19 lockdown is people are starting to question some of the lifestyle that went on after 30 years of um, you know, untrammeled economic growth um, that has suddenly been hit with this dose of reality. Um, and there have been a lot of surveys that have come out where people are finding people that needed access to money didn't have, you know, couldn't just put their hands on $1,000 in their bank account or pull back from their mortgage. 
and there is a suggestion that people are going to start thinking about you know savings a little bit more rainy making, day planning yeah, rainy, rainy day planning and making and and also just some of the conspicuous consumption that has gone on when it's you know clear skies and sunny sunny days suddenly um people are starting to think about that and that could be it, it, could potentially be, and crystal ball gazing is never an exact um, science, but it could be one of those things that does impact once breweries reopen. Are people willing to pay a premium for what is essentially the same product you can get cheaper? Yeah. To me, that's where the emotional investment of um, craft beer, you know, craft beer always had it, you know, and that's what Pete was saying. And I'm just trying to work out where the emotional investment in independence is um, because, you know, like a, a big multinational brewery can be local, as we're seeing with, um, you know, Bevy Brewing, we, we had Andy Skade. Yep. Townsville Brewery, uh, Byron Bay Brewery, Yamundi Brewery, um, you know, even the James Squires have local... And and if people feel that that's my local, then ownership is yeah, at one step. Comes of, second, doesn't it? Well, yeah, ownership is at one step removed. Um, but yeah, so something that people are very conscious of is dollars, um, and and that affects them much more directly than this slightly more removed concept of either the profits are going offshore. Well, sure, but the people who are paid here are spending their money here. You know, so yeah, it, it, it's a very complicated thing that we. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out post uh, the economy reopening. Yeah, and COVID nineteen, if nothing else, it, it's it's certainly shown us that yeah, perhaps there is more value in in promoting yourself as local, uh, because that does have tangible meaning, you know, to to your consumers. That that independence, you know, dare I say, can't. Yeah, even if um, even if your head office is you know, ten thousand kilometres away. <laughs> Um, being like, and and I mean, think of all of the businesses that are like that that we actually don't care about. Um, you know, on, on one hand, we are thinking about local capacity because of the long supply lines for a whole lot of things, but beer has never had those really, really long um, supply lines, except for imports and things like that. As you know, we've always had a brewery in Brisbane, you've always had a brewery in Melbourne, um, even though they haven't necessarily been owned locally. Yeah. Yep, certainly changing situation. And speaking of which, Matt, I've just noticed uh, 8.55, so just bear with us, uh, listeners. I've just got to quickly um, call the roll. Uh, Mitchum, A. <laughs> yes, present. Got a present. <laughs> right, now back to your work. Uh, now, um, Matt, uh, we have a, a valet for uh, Keith Deutscher. Uh, the uh, brewery historian who passed away aged 98, which I think is about three in Plato. Um, in addition <laughs> to being a life member and former president of Beer Label and Brewing Ephemera Collectors Group, the Victorian Beer Label Collectors Society, um, Keith also was the author of the ambitious book, The Breweries of Australia, A History, which I did notice when we posted uh, that Keith had, had passed away after a, a very long innings. Quite a few of our listeners commented that uh, I think Jocelyn Erickson uh, from uh, Hop On Tours up your way down on the Gold Coast, um, and said she was just reading reading the book last week. Look, it, it, it's one of those books that has certainly been a mainstay for anyone who is is into books and collecting and beer. It would be on your shelves. I think the first one came out in '98, um, and then was republished a second edition that included a lot more of the craft breweries um, around about 2012. 
Um, now, it, it, it's an interesting one. You don't put this in, in a um, you know, memorial notice, um, but Brett Stubbs, who is a contributor to, to Bruce News and is a professional historian, Dr. Brett J. Stubbs. Dr. Brett J. Stubbs, who is a working, you know, university historian and has done a lot of books uh, about beer. You know, you, you speak to him and he can point to flaws and errors and omissions and, you know... Um, These academics, they love picking apart each other's work, don't they? Well, but, but, that's, but that's the thing. Um, Keith Deutscher wasn't uh, an academic. Oliver. Yeah, but, but Keith Deutscher wasn't a historian. He was, he, he was somebody who... Um, he was a businessman, he retired, and he thought breweries had an interesting story. So he did the research. Um, and it, it, it's a problem that you're always going to have if, if you are an amateur entering into the world of professionals, um, you are going to have your work picked apart. And uh, like uh, Martin Cornell, is a, who we've spoken to on the, in, in the past, is, is a, another example. I don't think he's a professional historian, but he has that professional historian uh, approach to it. and Research approach, yeah. And, and, and the, the downside of having amateurs is that they don't necessarily often go back to source materials. They don't necessarily... You know, spend a career researching a very small point. Um, and I, I was actually asked to do a history of Australian brewing for the National Library a couple of years ago, and I love the idea of it. But it's it's the work of retirement to spend that time because you're never going to get paid for the amount of if if your profession isn't researching. If you're just an author, you're never going to pay um, for the cost of the research. For, for the hours of your research. So it's a retirement project. Um, and, yeah, so Brett, who has spent a career researching breweries and going back, but then if you've ever read any of Brett's books, they're a little bit drier, um, you know, very fact-dense. They tell a compelling story if you're willing to pull it out. But then, Brett, any time I try and summarise Brett's stories, he's always hypercritical because... You left out this key element. You left out this key element, and in telling the story, and that's where you know guys like Pete Brown, um, with his book about IPAs, he was able to debunk a few myths, but also tell a ripping yarn. Um, and I, I guess um, I'm trying to think of the American author's name, uh, Bryson, Bill Bryson, um, is, is somebody else who goes out and tells stories from academics, but does it in a very popular way. That when you've got like my father's a geologist, when he looks at the uh, you know, short history of everything, he can pull it apart because he's he's a geologist. But as, as you said with Jocelyn, when you look at the way that it inspires people to become interested in that thing, I think you you know any academic errors are more than made up for in the way that it popularizes and engages people, and in and and, and that's um, Keith Deutscher's legacy. Yep, so, valet Keith Deutscher. Um, Matt, our next story, initiatives have been launched to help brewery cash flow. Two initiatives have been launched to help breweries keep cash and beer flowing. Sydney Delivery Service Taps and Tins and Melbourne Voucher Program Shout Your Local. While the federal government has launched its solution to temporary cash flow issues, the craft beer and adjacent industries have all been pivoting to new ways of working now that venues are closed. Um, Taps and Tins, um, founded by Michael Bain of the uh, Royal Albert Hotel in Surrey Hills, Sydney, launched initially to help the hotel and its partner breweries use up their existing keg stock, which would otherwise have gone on untapped and, and obviously the worst case scenario uh, tipped out. Um, and then Shout Your Local, which is a pay-it-forward social enterprise project aiming to help small local venues through the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, the platform, co-founded by software designer Mark Murphy, allows local businesses to start selling vouchers that can then be redeemed at a later date. Venues are paid 
um, the voucher revenue now, which helps with their cash flow, which is a great idea. Yeah, and I think, um, well, Taps and Tins, Michael Bain, who is a you know, champion of craft beer, you know, big supporter of, of, of the craft beer industry, the Royal Albert has closed. So it, I, I guess it's a way for him to empty his taps into crowlers. And, and it's also, and I think it's, expanded beyond that so a terrific initiative um the shout your local pay it forward I, I think it's a melbourne events company that came up with the idea now if you're an events company your business is going to be screwed for well after the openings because yeah as we saw with the melbourne show finally pulling the pin the brisbane show the sydney announced show yesterday, yep. um, because these things have such long lead times they had to make calls very very early even though pubs and bottle shops might be open um, by the time that those events were going to take place. So, you know, they, they got involved. I'm always a little bit wary when you get people creating opportunities because, you know, as you and I know, Pete, craft beer is expensive as it is. If you've got somebody putting themselves between the consumer and the brewery that's not a traditional retailer, um, they often don't have the scale, you know, and, and they're looking to make money. Um, you sometimes wonder where the benefit is and who's taking a haircut if, if, if all things being equal. But, you know, so, so we often do look into these things to, we don't just get a media release and go, oh, yeah, awesome, sounds great, because everyone tells a story about how we're helping craft breweries. But this did seem to be uh, two initiatives that we're really, you know, looking at balancing that. And worth following up uh, in the weeks to come to see how they, um, how they work. And also, um, we did. I think we discussed it last week, didn't we? The, um, the altogether beer and have I lost the name? Oh no, no I'm thinking of the same one, aren't I? Uh, the good beer coat. Good beer coat. Yeah, yeah. So twenty thousand dollars raised to th- more than a thousand. Yeah, um, what, what and, and it's about. really, really good to see too. The um, we're starting to see on social media now where people have received their four pack of, of beers and are you know genuinely thankful <laughs> and, and that sort of thing, which is that if nothing else makes it all worthwhile. And we just in need all honesty, seven thousand more. <laughs> 20, 20 bucks, you yeah. know, twenty bucks by sends a four pack to um, uh, an essential worker who's um, you know out there on the on the front lines exposing themselves to the stuff that we're all sort of you know hiding away from. So it's um, it's twenty bucks well spent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on that, you know, just on that thing about you know where suddenly you get people crop up um, and. You know, over the last 15, 20 years, I've seen a lot of people who have wanted to start beer delivery services because they think, well, people love beer. There's all of these craft breweries. I can put together, take the model from the wine industry or do that. And beer is a bit of a unique product. It, you, you can't just have like the 2013 Merlot and have it um, reasonably well sellered and then you know, sort of sell it out. Beer is Release perishable. Um, if you overstock then you're going to be selling people stale beer, not good beer, and there's a whole lot of problems. And, you know, I just have a natural bias because of my cynicism. We talked to um, Jill from the Woods on, on The Antidote, and they did something very similar to the, the voucher system. They let you buy a bar tab for when they reopen. So I gave them some cash flow now, and you can go in and cash that. And I, you know, I really do tend to think that your money is best spent with the business itself in some way. And if you can come up with a creative way of supporting a business directly, then an entrepreneur putting themselves between your money and the business and then taking a tap off that, you know, is often diverting money um, from it if they're not really well positioned to efficiently steer that money and make sure that, you know, steer that money to the venue and then also make sure that you're getting a good product. And, and that went back to the um, 
spend with them campaign and the empty esky campaign during the bushfires um people want to help people want to get out and give money but i still think they're much better off spending money directly with the business in the affected area yeah and look it gets back to what we were talking about before and it really reminds me that part of this whole caper that makes it special is is the the personal interaction it's the human contact it's the you know the lack of physical distancing um so taking an esky up and, and actually seeing that you're you know you're buying from that person who's who's baked that bread or you know bottled that beer or whatever it might be is just that little bit different and um I think uh, if I can give a shout out to again Stomping Ground for on May the eighth, they're doing their share eight with a mate. Yep. So you you buy a you buy a four pack and give the a delivery address. They'll send four to your mate, four to you, and then you know on May the eighth you crack a tin with your with your mate. That's important because it's not just oh this is a good beer I'm going to enjoy it. It's 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 that sharing of it even if it's, you know, through a screen, um, you know, with, with someone who's, you know, means something to you. Well, also, and shout out to um, Bridge Road, who, you know, God, the, the bushfires of January um, are completely forgotten. They're doing a fundraiser for their local fire service. And, you know, I, no one's heard anything that I can see uh, of Celeste Barber and her fundraising campaign um, since then, that raised what fifty million dollars for the one, and, and then some. But yeah, without people realising that it was kind of committed to the RFS, yeah, um, for equipment only. Yeah, and you know, again, I would much rather um, support Bridge Road, who is supporting their local fire board and directing it much more locally, than giving to a big charity where you don't quite have the same. You know, not 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 that these charities aren't good, not that, but you know, when there is that bandwagon effect, so and, and that's just part of my personality, I guess. Yeah, no, no, and uh, look, and Bridge Road too, uh, quite famously, have had their, um, you know, uh, help us clean the lines on uh, on the Monday night, where uh, the local SES uh, unit and um, and CFA Vols would uh, would pop up and um, empty out the last of the the line so that they could clean the, the system. Um, and that's recognition of, you know, you guys are our community, but you're also an in- integral part. You know, if, if, if my business is threatened by bushfires or by um, flood, storm, whatever it might be, you're the guys I'm going to rely on, but you're, you're, you're also my locals. You're also my neighbour. You're also, you know, a, a regular at the bar. Um, so, again, yeah, I think the title of this episode has to be something to do with local. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Matt, our last story, one year on, equity crowdfunding. Um, now, this is a story that I think is in the works, but we've, we've sort of, uh, Claire's no, no, a little up, bit of a teaser. It went up yesterday. Obviously, it's, it's something that, um, that, that was in the, in the works, in the planning, but obviously with COVID-19, a lot of the stuff, you know, hasn't come to fruition, so there will be follow-up. But um, it's been over a year since a raft of breweries made their debut with equity crowdfunding, among them Melbourne's Dainton Beer, uh, Black Hops on the Gold Coast. And yeah, interesting to look at uh, what was raised versus what they hoped to raise, what they've done with the money, and how they sort of uh, explained, you know, what they've had to put on hold. Yeah, and look, when the marketing document goes out, because that's what it is for breweries that are looking at doing an equity crowdfunding, they tell you what their expansion plans are, how rosy their future is, we're going to invest money in this. Um, and so we just wanted to go back and look at 12 months on what was impact. And Dayton was a great example because they were going to look at putting a, a second bar in and, you know, they or a second venue. And a tap room. A tap room for, for a whole host of reasons. Um, that didn't 
come about. So they, you know, so it was a really interesting story about how they changed their plans and and what they did with that. And you know, I'd, I'd be really interested to hear um, from our listeners, and I'm sure a lot of them have invested money in different equity crowdfundings. You know, what's the level of communication you're hearing back from our breweries? I know the, the the other brewery, Black Hops, for example, they pretty much did everything that they said because they had a very specific purpose for the money. They were going to open Black Hops too. They're floating ideas at the moment of maybe doing another crowdfunding for their next venture that they're not really talking too much about. Brewdog. I yeah, like it. Yeah, and but then they've also got their um, Alpha Alpha Ops or... They have been so effective at building that community around what they do. Um, you know, it, if, if you are a, a, an equity crowd funder um, in Dainton, in Endeavour, in Holgate, um, in Black Ops, in Brewdog, you know, what, what's your experience been? What's the level of communication been? Um, you know, have they kept you advised? You know, have they told you, well, look, we said we're going to do this, but we're doing this? I'd be really interested in hearing how people are feeling about you know their equity investments. Yeah, it's a, it's, it is an interesting one because it's obviously difficult logistically if you've got, I would imagine in some of those cases, because some of them raised, uh, I think Holgate was 700,000 um, yeah. Dainton was 250, 250 Endeavour yeah. half a million, I think. That sounds um, about right, yeah. With those, there might be thousands of small investors who put in the the ten dollars or or a hundred dollars or whatever. Do you kind of expect that? Okay, well, I, I understand that the situation has changed, so the money may not have um, gone to what was originally planned for. But do you sort of think, oh, well, would that money have been? It, it, would you be happier that it's been spent on something different, or do you want to see it parked until you know the original idea can can come to fruition and obviously it's logistically difficult to get in touch with everybody and get everybody's feedback when you've got thousands of of, of small investors but um well part, i guess that's part you know, of the en- enrollment process is is to capture email addresses so i guess you know at least giving them the, the you know advising them of what's going on um would be relatively easy it's just uh, writing one email out and sending it out to your database of of, of addresses, whether everyone responds, I, I guess, is the question. But uh, yeah, no, just very, very interested in hearing what you know our listeners who are investors, you know, how they compare. Um, you know, if you've invested in more than one, how do the various uh, investments compare? Mm. Um, we've, uh, I guess, for various reasons, not the least of which is that. Uh, that we're part, we feel part of this this community that, that we uh, report on, um, have invested ourselves in, in some of these things. So there's, um, you know, we, we, I, I guess we're allowed to have a view, aren't we, Matt? Because we do actually have a, a dog in the race. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've put a couple of dollars here and there. Um, be interesting to see too if um, we could put a couple of dollars here or there towards uh, the auxiliary services. Um, one that I'd be looking at would be Rowling's label stickers and packaging, Matt, because then I would feel like I'm investing in lots of breweries. Yeah, well, I, but I would certainly no, I would certainly want my investment to go towards packaging. Oh yes, okay, and that's an that's an even nicer way of doing it because it makes it sound like we should point out Rettling's label stickers and packaging. If you want, call them on one three hundred eight five two two three five just to confirm that they're not actually doing a crowdfunding. They're not doing crowdfunding, but I wonder whether they have seen any money being invested in better packaging, so your investment is bountiful. <laughs> yeah, much uh, more um, uh, standing out on the on the 
the heaving crowded shelves. But uh, Relling's label stickers and packaging would like to let all breweries know that they are still open for business and still can supply labels for bottles, cans or shrink sleeve cans ready to fill. Uh, Whilst turnaround times may have slowed a little bit from the normal five to seven working days, they are very good at getting people out of trouble where possible. And they could certainly help you cash flow. So and cash flow is king at the moment. But if they will hold on to the cans, so you don't have to have a pallets after pallets after pallets of cans you can just call on them as you need and uh, so it helps out your cash flow as well yeah because a lot of breweries too obviously uh, will have storage issues with um, having to transfer well you know kegs that aren't going out into market and that beer being turned into cans which is then taking up room in their uh, uh, in their warehouse or storage area whatever it may be so uh, consider buying uh, a six-pack you might want uh, to get maybe a mixed six-pack you could call uh, our good friends at beer cartel um, well don't call them get online and order some beer but make sure it's beer cartel and not one of the imposters yes you've got to be you got to be careful with that because there's, there's another one that comes up before if you do put in beer cartel isn't there so just check that you you've not that anyone as brilliant and bright as you or i matt would uh, or ever fall for that old trick i did a second time. <laughs> a second time, yes. Uh, and don't forget, too, they, they do look after it. They sponsor our letter of the week. And we would ask you to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. It costs nothing but a little bit of your time, which you've got more of at the moment, and it helps other beer lovers discover this podcast. Just as well I've got more time because this has been quite a long podcast, Pete. Uh, yeah, so don't forget, review us on iTunes or send us in an email, and you can be in the draw for letter of the week. You can also join our Facebook group, Matt, which is um, pretty active. Just search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. Just the one mailbag this week, um, and... It's a five-star review by Silton Wick. I'm not sure whether that's that means. Yeah, Kilton Wick, Silton Wick. C-I-L-T-O-N-W-I-C-K. But great podcast, engaging, informative, and entertaining, just what we all need at this time. So, uh, um, Silton Wick, if you can shoot us an email at producer at bruisenews.com.au, we might be able to get a six-pack or some merch. I've got, you know, people have been sending me truckers caps and things like that, so we'll be able to get some merch to you. Now, if you want to help us out, yeah, you can give us a couple of bucks, follow the link in the show notes, but you can really help us out just by leaving a review. Um, it doesn't have to be a good review. You, something that we said may have upset you and feel free to give a bad review. We do our best. We will probably Not to still upset su- people, but yeah, well, no, it, it happens yeah, from time to time. Um, well, if you're going to give an opinion, if, you, you know, if you're not going to sit on the fence, then that's right. You know, if you're going to step over that fence, sometimes you're going to snag your trousers. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be a good review. You can tell us what you really think. Um, and even then, you'll have a good chance of getting a, a something in the mail from us. So, uh, But please jump online to your favourite podcast uh, and review us. Terrific. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for your time, Matt. Thank you, Pete. It's all, yeah, I've, I've, I've missed you this week, mate. Yeah, we just we just don't talk anymore. <laughs> well, who knows? Look, maybe something like, you know, there, there could be news coming up in the next few weeks regarding COVID-19 and uh, that gives us an excuse to to pump out a special edition of, uh, of The Antidote. But otherwise, this has been Brews News Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. Thank you very much to all of you for listening and a special thanks to Cryo Malt, to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging and to Beer Cartel for making it all possible. And we'll see you all again next week for more Brews News Week. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. 
Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation.